Oh, Janet Lee, absolutely, absolutely stunning. Your finger diction on that organ just flows. God bless you. And hello out there, everybody. Jerry Lee here, the manifester. And I feel, I feel strong in the spirit for this message today. But I also feel a little bit sad because I have to take a departure for a while from the broadcasting. <clears throat> but in all reality, we have, um, we have really closed uh, with this teaching the, the series that we have been on, The Whisper of Satan. And it has been a magnificent series. And I am excited that we have been able to bring this information to you. I will be working almost full time, with the exception of some of the Gentile things and other various uh, uh, obligatory things I have to do, to uh, get the uh, television uh, production um, uh, documentary finished so that hopefully we can have it for going out on television by, um, by Christmas. We won't know what we're getting into as far as all of the, the time and the depth of things that we'll have to do until we, we open that door. But it's an exciting moment. It is a real exciting moment. Now, I have something very interesting to announce for you. That in the, the absence of my being on live broadcast, we have a special series that we are going to start beginning next week. And um, with the help of Brian, our su superb um, master at electronics and webmaster, He's going to take a series, there are seven of them, called um, Acts of America. And they are incredible, absolutely incredible teachings. They're right at the top of my teachings. And they talk about trit, they talk about uh, connections to the far out that will really tie in to this universal um, creation exposure that I'm getting ready to televise as a documentary. There'll be seven of those, and then we'll see where things go from there. And uh, so that's going to, going to start next Sunday. And that will be something you will not want to miss. And so, today, here we are. We are... On Sunday the 7th, Mountain Time, and today the subject is the Dominion Invisible Network and Repulsive Force. And what uh, extensive, awesome subject that is going to be. Before I open that book, I want to just go back over a few of the things that we talked about in the last short 
uh, period of time on the Whisper of Satan episodes. We talked about the distance to zero. <clears throat> and wow, what a profound insight that that was. How that, that opened up buttons, boutons of the brain. We, we got into, you know, the revolution and the revelation of the needle's eye and the story of the camel and its association with the track pack path of the soundtron. The needlework representing the hangings, the door and the tent and, and the holy places. The blue, the purple, the scarlet hangings. And how that the needlework of those was all in uh, lattice fabrication. And how that that needlework went on to many other aspects of deep revelation that someday, if we have the time, we will really open that book in a profound way in greater detail. We got into the Exodus 27.4, the, the making of the altar, the great that is a network of brass, and the altar sacrifices. The bullock, the hundredfold, the sheep ram, the sixtyfold, the goat ram, the thirtyfold, which correlated with the hangings of the blue, purple, and scarlet, the blue, the thirtyfold, the purple, the sixtyfold, the scarlet, the hundredfold. And we opened little moments of insight to the lattice. We we propped open that gate as wide as we could for the time that we had available. We taught the people to say Akava three times to open the dimension to the needle's eye. We read scriptures that were awesome, like James 2.26, the body without the spirit is dead. And if that is true, then the body of the cosmos without the spirit is dead. And so that any teachings and any idioms and ideas and mathematical consigned uh, concepts do not have a fulfillment of meaning when they do not understand that without including the spirit they cannot have the full understanding of what makes the universe to be what it is. We found out in Malachi 2.15 there is a residue of the spirit and we've talked about all the different kinds of spirit. People have a problem sometimes because they limit their understanding of what spirit is. And they don't realize that there are spirits that the Bible says the word was made flesh. So we see that the power of conversion from spirit can be translated into the residue episode of the physical uh, world and its, its atoms and molecules in that scripture in John of Jesus taking on a flesh body. We see that in Job 26.13, as I read a couple of times, by his spirit he garnished the heavens. 
By his hand, he formed the crooked serpent, the crooked serpent, a constellation. And how that all of these kind of things are so important. We talked about the spirit of man, and that there's so many things that are not known about it. Ecclesiastes 3.21 said, Who knows the spirit of man that goes upward and the spirit of the beast that goes downward, showing a differentiation of spirits that are, that are temporal and spirits that are eternal. We showed how in Ecclesiastes 12 that the dust returns to the earth, the spirit returns to God. There is a differentiation of the spirit and of all of the physical things that the universe evolves with. Zechariah 12.1 shows that, this, that, the, that there is a forming of the spirit of man within him. We found out in Ezekiel 10.17 that the spirit of the living creature is in the wheel. And how that the spirit would set the lead that wherever it was to go, those that were in the wheel would go. And the spirit would take them up or bring them down. And Jesus was so emphatic. He said, except a man be born of the water, which is the water bag of the, of the mother, the physical water, the physical birth, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And this is because of the requirement for all the fallen angels to take bodies and ultimately be regenerated to the status of angel that they had before they fell we begin to understand that even though the Bible says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God, John chapter 1, verse 1, <clears throat> that there are many plurals of the Word. For he whom God has sent speaks the words, plural, of God. For God gives not the Spirit by measure unto him. And that was in John um uh, verse 6 and the 34th verse, I believe. I believe that's right. My writing here is good in notes. And six, John 6, 63, um, the spirit that quickens the flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit and life. There we have the plural of words again. Even though in John 1 it says, in the beginning was the word, that many times sentences like that are referring to the word as it is manifold. We talked a little bit about pi, which is technical term for circle and represents the ratio of any circle circumference to its diameter. We mentioned that pi is a transcendental, a transcendental number, which means that no finite sequence whether it's algebraic operations on integers, whether it's powers, roots, sums, could ever produce it. Then we talked about dark matter, how that it's invisible, and that matter does not, this black matter, this dark matter, does not interact with the electromagnetic force of our universe. And then we showed with our special formula how that there were four vectors Involved, and we touched on velocity vectors of hyperbola trajectory, v equaling parentheses cosh parentheses t 
comma, Senate, and parentheses, uh, plus, and bracket, comma. And then that equaling the parentheses T that form tangent space. And we're going to get into connecting in tangent space because in these vectors and their directional uh, operations, they're very much involved in tangents. In Luke 8, 11, it says the seed is the word of God. And we connected the, you know, the seeds, like in Galatians three sixteen, not seeds, but seed, because seed was a manifold one. And so those seeds were sometimes represented in groups and, and um, in special types of, of manifold divisions. We talked about the sound line. And that's big. It's going to be big into that today. And, the, and the, the line that goes out equals the seed and is the sound line. And it's just exciting, all the things that we discussed. We talked about the, the entanglements that are actually different than many scientists think that they are when they start getting into the quantum uh, world and especially when they get into quantum consciousness. We talked about the manifest bringing forth a new concept of matter and spirit. Which degrees of modulatum quantum provide an insight that there is an invisible neural system. Another word neural for mind system. Network. Which compasses and covers the everywhere including the entire physical realm. And then we talked about the Merkaba, the Zith, <clears throat> what some people call flying saucers. Ezekiel 1, 4 through 26, the throne of glory, the pilot hold, the heavenly char charioteer, the Merkaba, the white horse rider. Psalms 18, 5, Isaiah 19, 1, Hebrews 3, 8, Exodus 24, 10 through 12. And we've been into transformations. That old scripture was such a good one. That which is seen is made of that which does not appear. Psalms 104.3 His chariot. He makes the cloud his chariot. He walketh upon the clouds of the winds. The Merkaba. Psalm 68.33 To him that rides upon the heavens of heavens which were of old. He sends out his voice. We talked about John three thirty four. the spirit can be measured. And we got into all this business about measuring and Zechariah 2, man, 2, 1, a man with a measuring stick and Revelations 11, 2, measuring the temple and Revelations 21, 15, measuring the city four square. Ah, oh, there was so much that we could get into about that Merkaba. We really didn't open it up all the way. But it's a house of breath, those this. And it's a place of chariots that are chariots of fire, the Holy Ghost in fire. They are heavenly. They are traveling. They are thrones. They are full of revelation. They are divine.
To him that rideth upon the heaven of heavens, which were of old, he doth send out his voice. And then we talked about this formula, this manifesto yada formula. <clears throat> and the S in capitals, S-E-E, dot D-V-2, superscript, dot L-T, and this with its driving force that is manifold times the speed of life, of light, equaling the spontaneity, spontaneity of events. We talked about dromaton velocity. We'll be more into that today. <clears throat> and, and these vectors of the Big Ben, or the Big Bane, rather, or as may be said, the stretching out of the compressed mass of the universe. We talked to these four vectors that are enclo enclosed in part of this, this uh, special formula. One, the vector of trip. Two, the vector of distance. Three, the vector of time and location. Four, the vector of momentum. We got into all the 30, 60, 100 folds and all those things. Got to get off of that. Now, still, before I get into this newest deep revelation part that I want to share with you, I want to talk about what's going on out there with some of the scientific things that are being talked about, some of which are very strong along the line of being atheistic, not all of them, but some of them, from some pretty outstanding uh, scientists, and um, how that they are trying to develop this field theory, field, um, unified field theory of the four uh, universal forces, the gravitational force, the electromagnetic force, the weak nuclear force, and the strong nuclear force. But we want you to know today that they will never be able to make that a true unified field revelation without understanding the fifth force. The fifth force is the soundtron and its 12 circuits of the domatron effect. And without knowing that, there is no way they can really, <coughs> excuse me, really truly understand gravity the Bible uses the word bounds and, and manifest uses terms like syntonic fire and syntones. We'll be getting into some of that here. Maybe today if we possibly can. If we don't, I won't be able to finish it. You know, a top scientist says that earth humans are type zero as far as being in the, the four top types that would be type of, of entities that really had power in the universe. And, they, and he predicts that, it, that, the, that the earth people are 100 years away from being type one. Well, type one is having power equal to an entire planet. Then type two is having stellar power equal to the power of an entire star, entire star. Say that again. Type 2, having stellar power, equal to the power of an entire star. Then there is type 3, 
having power equal to the control, to be able to control an entire galaxy. And then type four, the power of continuum. And those are interesting formulations, especially that last one about the power of continuum. Well, the big thing that's out there today is what's called the M theory. M is in Mary, but it actually stands for the word membrane. And it's part of string theory that deals with 11 dimensions. There are other string theories that deal with lesser number of strings. The founding point of the M theory, string theory, is the idea that point-like particles of elementary particle physics can also be modeled as one-dimensional objects called strings. And it can include incorporating an understanding of the graviton, which is a massless particle with a particular kind of spin. And then there, within this concept, are closed strings that form a complete loop. Open strings that correspond to the photons and can always connect to make a loop and become closed. In fact, there's even a a crumpled up type of of string that is what makes the eleventh dimension of this string theory. <coughs> <coughs> And then there are these P, as in Paul, P brains, B-R-A-N-E-S, which are subspaces in the 10th dimensional membranes and are multidimensional objects, as I said, called P brain, B-R-A-N-E, referring to spatial. <coughs> so there's a lot out there. Other string theories, the five super strings and the super uh, symmetrics. And there is big time in this M theory, the theory of duality. I don't have any problem with some of these titles and names, but I think the underlying methodology of how they come up with these dualities is very, very important. And M theory uh, has a method of changing light into electrons and then into gravity. A trick of super symmetry. Super symmetry can change particles with one half integral spins like electrons and quarks with particles of integral spin like photons, gravitons, and W particles. And that's all interesting. And it's okay to say that this is what happens. But how you put it together is really, really important. I'm going to share that with you. And I want you to listen to this. Don't, don't, don't get caught up into thinking, hey, this is too difficult, this is too complicated. I don't understand and I'm not going to listen. I want you to listen because it's so important. And as you, you allow these things to go into your mind, there is this thing called memoir. M-E-M-W-A-H. 
And it's a thing that can happen to people in which God, by the Holy Spirit, as it says in the Word of God, brings things back to your memory. And not only brings it back, but brings it back in a way that you can understand it where before you couldn't understand it. Now, there's been lots of things that they have done going way, way back. You know, even into the 1800s when they were trying to find out the root of the nearest square to the whole number. And I just want to read these things to you to show you how intricate that people can get in their answers. To, to find the root to the nearest square of the whole number, subtract this square, convert the remains into primes, and divide it by the double of the first root, thus determine the next term in the root. Square the sum of the terms found, subtract this square, convert the remainder into seconds, divide it by the double of the root already found, and you will have the square root very nearly. After all that work, after all of that summation, it doesn't give you an exact answer. It only gives you something close, maybe, to the answer. And we have a lot of that in modern day physics. And I want to share that with you so that you know what's going on. You know, there are some top scientists. I've always respected Richard uh, Finman and Roger Penrose and Shelton Lee Glasgow. They are top physicists. And they criticized the M-string theory for not providing novel experimental predictions at an, at an accessible energy scale. And therefore say M-theory is a failure as a theory of everything because they cannot prove it. They do not have proof, which has always been the requirement of taking on a theory and making it to be a totally plausible thing. Now, there are 26 space-time dimensions for bosonic or bosonic strings and 10 for superstrings. Some dimensions are described by complex numbers rather than real numbers. Now, I want to get into that, and I'm going to stretch it out, that out a little bit. I want you to understand this. There's imaginative numbers and complex, and they, take and they put the complex and the imaginative together, and it can turn a zero into a one or into any other number. But it's not a real number. It's a complex imaginative number. So then they take that number and they apply that to be in a, a domain. And they collectively, through dualities, bump those up until they've got all these domains. In fact, seven of the domains are really not true domains. And they say that they are so small that they're invisible and there is no possible way, known in today's capability of magnification, to ever magnify them to prove that they exist. And on top of that, with this theory of everything that they're making this big ado about, they are using these complex imaginative numbers, and we're going to talk about that today. It's very important you are to know this. 
The absence of potential energy in the critical dimension explains why flat space-time solutions are possible. Yeah, we know that. And, and we also know, as I just said, there are six or seven extra dimensions that are so small they cannot be detected by present-day experiments. Let me say just a few more things before we, I take a break. When we talk, start talking about the power and the root of mathematics and how easy it is to get incorrect answers, false answers, by manipulations of the radical and using complex numbers <clears throat> that actually cause the logarithmic identities to have fallacies and create invalid proofs which produce powers and roots that are not real numbers. I am not saying, and don't get me put down for saying, that complex numbers and imaginative numbers have no scientific value. <clears throat> I believe in them. But I believe that the supposition of it is they have to be very, very carefully used, and especially when you create them into something that potentially does not exist because potentially they are invisible and too small to be ever engaged with an experiment to prove them existing. <clears throat> too many imaginative roots obfuscated too many potential errors that can come from that by taking complex powers to raise identities and volume of numerical presentations. One other point before I turn this over. Using Isosceles triangles. Even Maxwell, 1959, purports to show that you have to be very, very careful because you can create false positions in using assumptions in the triangle that really are not applicable in a, the truest mathematical sense. Janet Lee at the organ. I'll be back.
again, I thank you, Janet Lee. Thank you so very, very, very much. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to please ask you to be patient with me on some of this math stuff. Please be patient. Uh, I just have just a very few more points to make on this um, differentiated math. And then I'm going to get into some wonderful new revelation. You know, um, there are in the imaginative numbers things like the number three minus four. Someone would ask the question, how can you subtract four from three? How can you have an answer that equals less than nothing? Or what is the square of, in parentheses, minus one? How can you take the square root of something less than nothing? I do not say that these things are totally immediately, automatically erroneous. But their application is the difference. And I'm going to be talking later about the law of privilege. And I think that the law of privilege is not present for all of the mathematicians that are using some of these conjective type of inputs that are very differentiated in their applications. For instance, let's talk about rotation. And let's say that we take the imaginative math concept and we are dealing with a rotation of 90 degrees. Then applying X twice the 90 degrees is doubled to 180 degrees rotation. And mathematically can produce a flip from 1 to minus 1. And create, and that's what some of the people are hoping to do out there, and I'm not applying this, every one of these fallacy operations to people just doing string math but all kinds of people out there, and I'm not even saying who is actually doing some of these things or not, except uh, this thing about the fact that they are using for the uh, string theory of the 11 dimensions, called M-theory, uh, complex imaginative math. And in this thing of rotation, they can use that rotation of 1 to minus 1 to create an imaginary dimension. Thus adding on these dimensions in ways that they look legitimate. But a, a complex number is just a embellished way of using numbers with both real and imaginative parts. Please do keep that in mind. Now, one other little thing here. 
This is from... I'm going to just skip read through here. There is a striking quality of mathematical fallacy. As typically presented, it leads not only to an observed result, but does so in a crafty or clever way. Therefore, these fallacies, for pedagogic reasons, (coughs) usually take the form of spurious proofs of obvious contradictions. Although the proofs are flawed, the errors, usually by design, are comparatively subtle or designed to show that certain steps are conditional and should not be applied in the cases that are the exceptions to the rules. The traditional way of presenting a mathematical fallacy is to give an invalid step of deduction mixed in with valid steps so that the meaning of fallacy is here slightly different from the logical fallacy. The latter applies normally to a form of argument that is not a genuine rule of logic, where the problematic mathematical step is typically a correct rule applied with a tacit wrong assumption. Mathematical fallacies exist in many branches of mathematics. In elementary algebra, Typical examples may involve a step where division by zero is performed, where a root is incorrectly extracted, or more generally where different values of multiple value functions are equated. Well-known fallacies also exist in Euclidean geometry and calculus. Like Maxwell called them howlers, these people that use these stretched out questionable methods. The division by zero, dividing something by zero instead of of a real number, can have many variants so that all numbers equal all other numbers. They can use division by zero to prove that two equals one But that can be modified to prove that any number equals any other number. In calculus, when you use mathematic and uh, mathematical study of infinitesimal infinitesimal change, you can create limits that lead to uh, mathematical fallacies if the properties of of integrals are differentials and are ignored. For instance, a naive naive use of integration by parts can be used to give false proof that zero equals one. And so, if you take an empty sequence, and that's where you're using figurative, representative things for numbers, or prefacing numbers, like for instance, um, a comma with a parenthesis that is empty, or a a boxed um, bracket followed by a dot that is empty. Being empty of a component expression 
is considered a Boolean operation and therefore false. So, there's a lot more we could say about all of that. We know there are two methods used to support conversion to and from hexadecimal strings. But some of these are what's called pythons. And they have floats. And they usually involve rounding errors. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to be careful what we believe. That finishes up that part. Now, let's get into this teaching. We must not ever get around the fact that in the book of Revelations 10, 2 through 8, the seven thunders, the little book of little things, is a big, big treasure of secrets that have been hidden since the beginning of time, since the foundations of this earth. And many scriptures have sprung up that are indirectly connected. Like Isaiah 60, 22, a little one shall become a thousand. Job 33, 4 said, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of God has given me life. We showed earlier, we talked about that, the differentiation of the spirit and the breath. Although, when they translate spirit, most of the time they say that means breath. But not all of the time. And that's why you have this differentiation here of sometimes breath meaning something different than spirit depending on how you're using this thing with spirit. In Romans 1.20 it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Now people, do you believe that scripture? How many of you out there Keep saying to yourself, I just can't see it. I just can't understand it. And yet the Bible says the invisible things that are created by God from the creation of the, of the world, of the universe, are clearly seen. And how could you clearly see them? By understanding the things that are made. It says by understanding these patterns in the Bible like patterns revealed on the mount to Moses. That you can even understand God's power and Godhead. And so people are without excuse. Now, we have this scripture, and if we believe in the Bible, we have to enfold this into our conscience and into our consciousness of thinking and say, wait a minute. We don't want to make the, out the Bible to be a liar in my mind, in my understanding. So this is given in a way that I'm supposed to understand it. And if I'm supposed to understand it, how am I going to do that? Well, sometimes the Bible says you've got to have a teacher. And you've got one, ladies and gentlemen. And in Colossians 1.15, how do we see the invisible like the invisible God how, how do we see the invisible God who if you see him you might die the scriptures say or the invisible that your eyes don't have the retina to see well 
it says that there is an image who is the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominion, principalities of power. Colossians 1.15 and verse 16. And in 1 Timothy 1.17 it says, The eternal and immortal, invisible, the only wise God. We find that Jesus becomes the image, the perfect image of the invisible God. So that the word which was invisible was made flesh and we could suddenly see him. And if he's not here standing today in his physical body, the description of him by the words that he spoke and by the meaning of his life is present. So we still have that physicality as well as the spirituality. And that's how we see the invisible God by seeing the visible Jesus who is the image of the invisible God. Wow. So we're without excuse. If we want to know the invisible God, you've got to look at the, the in, invisible image of God. He doesn't say that he is that invisible God, but he's an image of that invisible God. And by looking at him, you're able to understand the invisible God. Now there is a, a first domain, a first dominion, and it's invisible. And it has a, a mind network and a repulsion force. And no one can overcome this repulsion force except the Lord draws you. And I'll be giving scriptures for that. In fact, I gave scriptures, I think, for that last week. Unless the Lord draws you into it. This force creates dark energy and dark matter, which drives the universe by its repulsive force. Wow. Now, I read that scripture about the Godhead. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, which included his power and Godhead. Romans 1.20. Here are some scriptures for the Godhead. Acts 17.29. You can find Greek Clarification in Strong's Greek Concordance Dictionary, number 2304. Romans 120, Greek Concordance Dictionary, Greek 2305. Colossians 2.9, Greek Concordance, Strong's 2320. There's a scripture, and I want to read it to you, in the book of that famous chapter. Job 38. Oh, how I love, how I love that scripture. I just, I, I just love that scripture. So let me read Job 38. And just, just while we're at it, let me just tell how this starts. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. You remember how that when Ezekiel was looking for God, that uh, that God came in a whirlwind. This whirlwind thing is big time. And that's how we're going to open this 
television thing that we're going to do. It's with a whirlwind. And there's a question in verse 4. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare it if you have understanding. Don't declare it if you have no understanding. Who's laid the measure, if thou knowest? Who has stretched the line? The line. Verse 7. When the morning stars, the old fams, sung together and the sons of God shouted for joy. Now, let's skip over here to 38th chapter of Job, verse 33. Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Well, is there such a thing in the Bible? Is there such a thing in the Bible as the first domain? I mean, wow, that that really seems like far out stuff, doesn't it? Well, yes, there is. Can you imagine that? All these things I'm preaching on, ladies and gentlemen, they're in the Bible. They're in the Bible, the Word of God. And it's exciting to know that the Bible is so rich of all these incredible revelations. And I just want you to understand that God's Word is not an accident. Even though God used many different vessels to bring through these different revelations at different times, they have deep construction. And then the book of Micah, you know, it, it has a scripture. In chapter 4 of Micah, M-I-C-A-H, okay? Micah is right after the book of Jonah. And in chapter 4, verse 8, And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee it shall come, it's futuristic, even the first Dominion, the kingdom, D-O-M, abbreviation, dumb, D-O-M, for domain. So you've got both the first dominion and the first domain shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. Hey, these things I teach about the first domain, these things I teach about the, the first dominion, ladies and gentlemen, they are biblical they are Bible. And the domatron, which is from the domain, domatron effect, it's otherwise to say the domain effect, but domatron is more expressive in a more proper uh, dynamic way that is very, very officially correct. There are manifold expressions Impelled by God. Impelled by the God winds. Like a mighty rushing wind. Saying let there be, o let there be aura. Which is a special kind of light. And this aura moves at a velocity many times the speed of, of light. The domatron effect touches all points. 
the inner and outer space. Its relative parts by contrapose produce convoluted and involuted coils of the universe which are revealed in the curves of life. Wow. Wow. I talked earlier about this word memoir. Memoir is involved in a sense of ubiquity, meaning there is no place that it does not exist. And there are four new mathematics that I have written. Number one, logistical rhythmatics. Number two, TRIT, capital T period, capital R period, capital I period, capital T. And then the number three math, latolution, uses the effects of polarity states. And number four, the quotem numerations using rotating vortexes. Vortexes. And this gets into the vital force of the fifth force. And the domatron effects, which even include amtricity, A-M-T-R-I-C-I-T-Y, which is a spirit form of electricity and has a virtual reality particle input that we call poppets, P-O-P-I-T-S, poppets. Don't forget or lose some of these terms. They are important. So we're dealing with the perpetual energy of God, the quintessential, our quintessential, quintessential essence of God. And it is a pleasure to know the ordinances of the cosmos and to set the dominion of this quintessential or the quintessential essence in place as regards the fifth force with its manifold impressions impelled by God as a domatron effect that touches all parts of the existence of the universe. Manifold. Wow. Let me turn to Psalms 19. Oh, how often I do use that, that scripture. How important that that scripture is. Psalms 19. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiworks. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. There is no speech nor language where their, T-H-E-I-R, plural, voice is not heard. Manifold voice. There, T-H-E-I-R, line, manifold line, is gone out. Now, when we talk about a line being a circuit, and the Bible talks about the circuits of God, and so does it in the sixth verse of this 19th chapter. He is going forth, and this is what the line is. 
His line is gone out through all the earth. And then in verse 6, he says, His going forth is from the end of the heavens and his circuit to the ends of it. So now we see that this line is also called a circuit. And any person that is in any depth of interpretation of words understands, especially mathematically and also in many other fields, that a circuit can be a manifold of dimensions. So circuits can be dimensions. Well, where do you get the thing that you teach in the manifest, someone might say, about the 12 circuits, the 12 dimensions of the Soundtron? Well, we get it in the second second verse of the 19th chapter of Psalms. Let's start from the beginning. One, the heavens declare the glory of God. There's a declaration here. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. There's a declaration here. Day unto day, the firmament shows his handiwork. What is the handiwork here? Day unto day, 12 hours. Jesus said, if you walk in the 12 hours of the day, you'll have the light. You'll not stumble. Night into night, that's another 12 hours. So now we have 12 circuits that are in the light and there are 12 circuits of the night because there are 12 hours in each of those. So then we have the 24 elders that it refers to in the book of Revelation. The 12 representing Old Testament time, the 12 representing New Testament time, the the day and the, the dark. Now, it does not mean that because it says day first, that that comes first in the order of the transcendental display given in the Bible. Because we understand that for you, now you look through a glass darkly, but then, which is future, you will suddenly be able to not have a glass darkly. You'll be able to see it because it'll be full of the light of God. So we had a period of darkness where things were hidden in the olden times. And that veil that it is called, Paul said in his day, was still on the heads and the minds and the eyes of the people. And you can believe that it's still there today. But now comes the manifest and the word of God of light manifesting to light. The very word manifest or yada means to bring to light knowledge. And so now we got the 12 of the Old Testament, the 12 of the New Testament, and we are talking, we are talking a line, which in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans is described as a sound, which when we put the other aspects to the line, we get things that are additional to the line. Therefore, we, got, we have the line switched in the 10th chapter of Romans to, to sound, and we have the thing, which the word tron means thing. Sound, tron. So it's clearly there. And we have the sound tron then, with its 12 circuits and its 12 dimensions, which include in those multiplicities, manifolds. 
So when we talk about the line went out, we say the manifold line. Because that line is not just a singularity, it is a multiplicity. And when we talk about the word, it seems to be singular in John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But then we get into Matthew 4, 4, and Jesus is speaking. And Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now we understand it is an absolutely vital essentiality for this plurality, this multiplicity, this manifoldness to be understood even in the singular mention of the word because there is never any time that the singular mention, the word singular seed, does not mean multiply and be, be plentiful. Multiply and fill the earth. So then you begin to have all of these additional meanings that take the singular word which is in reference to God, Eloah. But in reference to the plural aspect, it's Elohim. And that's what you have in the book of Genesis, chapter 1. In the beginning, the Elohim created the heaven and the earth. Now we have a big mix up there with interpretation by uh, even the, um, what's called the Christian scientist who are into the uh, creation scientists that they call, um, you know, um, various uh, titles and names that that have to do uh, with describing the universe having a mind. And they call it intelligent, intelligent creation. But they are into this short idea of, of time because... They read in Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And they don't realize the incredible diversity of the word and. And how that it is conjunctive in the sense of its application. So we have to understand, you have to break this down. You have to say, in the beginning God created the heaven. We also know that the word heaven in, in the Hebrew and in the Greek both means and comes from the same word, only differentiating whether it is singular or plural, because it's the same word for whether it's, whether it's heaven or heavens, depending on what the context is. But when you start really reading the context, you find out that it's actually heavens. So in the beginning, God created the heavens, the universe. Some people say, well, no, no, he created the heaven and the earth, so he created them both at the same time. So the earth, it was created at the same time that the heavens was, so they're both the same age. That is not what the Bible says. That is not how the Bible is written. In the beginning, God created the heavens. Bam. Now, and he did some other work. But it's not saying he did it at the same instant. He created the heavens. He got those done. Then, and, additional... He made the earth. Now, the earth, verse 2, was without form, and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. You cannot call something that has no form, 
is void, is faceless, and just full of darkness, you can't call that earth. It's not earth except as it's revealed to exist in the sense of Paul's writing, calling those things that are not as though they are. And we find that in the second chapter, additionally explained, of Genesis. Where the Bible gives the example in verse 5, that part of the generations of the heaven that God made, including the earth and the heavens, was an and, every plant of the field before it was in the earth. And every herb of the field before it grew. So there were times when things were called as having dispositional position. But that dispositional position was only in creative intelligence of a map and a plot to make it happen. And that was the case with the, the earth. But first, therefore, the heavens, the universe was made. And there was a plan for the earth. <clears throat> but as far as it being a real, actual, literal demonstration of physical matter, uh, it was just, in the sense, calling those things that are not as though they are. That I read to you in the second chapter and quoted to you with other scriptures. Now, Let's get back to our other teachings. The line, the manifold line. The word, the words. The words of God are essential. You can't just live by bread alone. You have to live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What's the problem we've got with these, with these interpretations that are from the religious uh, orders and from even Christian scientists is that they are not in translating every word. They're stuck on that one word and they are crystallizing that into ice cubes that are frozen in place and they're not understanding the differentiations and that you can't live by that one presentation without it being translated and interpreted. So the Bible says that if someone speaks in tongues... And, there is, and it's an unknown tongue. And a lot of the Bible is unknown. The Bible says, you know, that you can read it and you'll not understand it unless the Word of God by the Holy Spirit interprets it. So it's an unknown tongue even though it's written in English translation. You think you understand it. But there are so many codes and, and parables and, 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 and special meanings of it. You can't understand it without there being an interpreter. There's got to be an interpreter. Now, someone says, yeah, 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 but you know, I, I, you know, I, I just don't think that God intends for the church to have to know all that stuff. I'm so sorry that you said that. I'm so sorry that you proved to me that you do not know the Bible. You obviously have not read Ephesians 3.10. You obviously have not been grounded and rooted in that word of God. Because here's what it says in Ephesians 3.10. To the intent. Now do you understand the word intent? That's energy. 
That's boiling fire. That's dynamics. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers. And the Bible says in Ephesians 6 and 12. That this thing with the flesh, that's not the big thing. That everything that's really going to count in the end is this war that's going on between the principalities and the powers of darkness and light. Now let's read it, Ephesians 3.10. To the intent that now into the principalities and the powers, that means forces, that principalities, powers to the forces, and they've chosen here the word in heavenly. Oh, this is so heavenly. Oh, isn't that nice? But I'm using the word in a much better sense, much better translation, much better interpretation. The principalities and powers in heavenward places. Because places right here are being designated as a place that you can know. And it says that they might be known by what? By the church. God says in his word in Ephesians 3.10 that there is a fiery intent, a dynamic intent even into the principalities and the powers. It this even connects and it even as a law of privilege overrides the ineffable. It overrides Ephesians 6.12 because it allows you the law of privilege. And the law of privilege is the scripture that Jesus said, with man it is not impossible. You do not have, being a man, a possibility to do some of these things. But in God, if you can get the God spirit in you, if you can get the Holy Ghost spirit in you, if you can get the workings of, of the needlework, of the needle's eye working in you, and ha- come into that transcendental transformation, then... All things are possible through God. And that is the law of privilege. When you get to that place with God, you are under the law of privilege. And you can do things and know things that are impossible to everybody else. And who is supposed to have that? Why would anybody, why would anybody want to sit out there and say, I just don't know. I think this is too deep for me. I think this is too much for me. Are you claiming to not be a part of the firstborn church of God? Because the Bible says here to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenward places might be known by the church. The manifold wisdom of God. Manifold, manifold wisdom of God. That might be known the manifold wisdom of God. What are we doing in this teaching today? We are revealing how that a single word, when properly interpreted by the Holy Spirit, turns into manifold. Because, yes, there is the singularity of Jesus being manifested and made flesh. But then Jesus says, I want all of you to be one in me. And you have a manifold of us being Christians, many Christs, in him. And you have this manifold wisdom of God. And that's the message to the church. That is the message to you. So, God said, The revelation about sitting on the circle of the earth when people didn't even know the earth was a circle. Isaiah 40, 22. 
Well, when people didn't even know there were circuits of the Soundtron. Read Job 22.14. Read Psalms 19.6. I mean, the M theory is not the theory of everything. They haven't begun to touch. Haven't even begun to touch on this fifth force. Yeah, they've got that 11 dimensions and one of them is all curled up. Using a little bit of duality, they can come up with some of these things. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to get excited by anybody that tells me they got the theory of everything. When they, then on the other side of their mouth, say that the scientists only know 9.4% of the universe, which they call the known universe. That's all the scientists knows. And that leaves with the dark matter and the dark energy. This huge number. 90.6% of the universe that they do not know. Now what is this word trit? I mentioned it a few times. Capital T dot R dot I dot T. All, all caps. Well, it regards the meaning of trit one and trit two. Trit one is the total resolutional inflation. Total T, resolutional R, inflation I, which also means convolution, and translation or transition, which is also with a T, from mass density to an universal expanding state. Now we have all kinds of scriptures that I hope to get to uh, and I mentioned again, I mentioned them many times in the past, that have to do with uh, about a half a dozen places in the Bible of God stretching out the universe. God's going to stretch out, he stretched out the universe. So if he stretched out the universe, that poses the fact that it was at one time in condensation. And it had to be stretched out. That poses the fact that there was a... It, there was the debris there of another universe. And we know that the Bible tells us that God stretched out the heavens. He unrolled it as a scroll. And at the end of time, he's going to roll the universe together again as a scroll. So it's compressed again and you're back to the state that it begun with. And that's the plan for all the universes. And so Trit 1 regards this total resolution, resolutional inflation translation or transition from mass density to universal expanding state. And there is some beautiful math that goes with that transition uh, of teaching called Trit. And that, then there's, there's Trit 2, which is the termination. And it's the total T resolutional R involution I T termination trit, which means the total resolutional resolutional involution termination of the universe by compression to a high density scroll state. So there we go. Now, I gotta really move here. You know, there's there's things I want to teach you someday about the revelation of logistical rhythmatics. 
how the Soundtron signal is energized to create courier waves of phototransition and phototranslation. <coughs> I want to get more into the fifth force and the twelve dimensions of infinity, the sequences and the theories. I want to show how that from a dead universe to a new one, which the Bible is very clear on. I want to share with you the law of equality and how that the Bible actually teaches this. Compare Romans 4.17 KJV. And how that we have a right to understand this law of equality. Now, scientifically, they know that there are like a baryonic matter and anti-baryonic matter in the observable universe has a problem not explained by the standard model of physics nor the theory of general relativity because it is really believed and thought that the universe should be neutral with all its, its conservative or conserved charges. And the Big Bang should have produced equal amounts of matter and antimatter. But it didn't, they say. But, you know, they don't really understand the teaching of dark energy. I, 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 I'm going to have to go over time because I, I've got to finish this. Dark energy is intelligent energy. And there's scriptures for it. I've given them to you in the past. I haven't got time to repeat it again. It's dark energy, it's intelligent energy programmed to expand the universe with an, with an eventual break and reversal plan that brings it back together. Now, dark matter, I have a name for it. I call it, call it quadra, Q-U-A-T-R-A, manifolds. And it is the neutralized antimatter that the scientists have never been able to find. But it was neutralized by the, the eons of ultimate compression plus effects that came out of that, uh, which I don't have the time to get into the, the extents of it. And that debris is a kind of antimatter, but not the kind of antimatter that the, that the scientists are really expecting to have happened. And neither do they understand its syntone rays that are sent out to the whole universe that have to do with a story about an effect from the previous universe and the energy dots that have those full stories. So that which is also intelligent or programmed matter. To do the effects it is doing, some of which scientists are suspicious of, and some effect, effects which they haven't begun to notice, is going to be revealed, little by little. So we have this first dominion, invisible network and repulsive force. And all these scriptures of the network that is given to us in a physical way to understand the invisible. I read this to you last week, real fast, if you read a few more. Exodus 24, 4. Exodus 38, 4. 1 Kings 7, 18. Verse 20 and 42. Jeremiah 52 and 22 and 23. 
Isaiah 19.9. Networks, 1 Kings 7.41 and 42 and Isaiah 19.9. The kingdom of heaven, the Bible says, and this is the words of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven in Mark 13.47 is like a net. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like a net, the lattice of the net. It's like a lattice, like this whole revelation. Wow. Now, we're going to close this. We're we're almost there, so just hang on. Spiritual constants and physical constants. They talk about light is a constant. But we want to talk about matrix manifolds. Matrix manifolds, the line gone out to the universe. The singular plural line that is a manifold line. It's word or words, multiplied works or words of the manifold expressions. Being the source of the seed of life, which is also multiple in its matrix production. There are these constants the constants that, number one, the purpose of the creation of the universe is for ultimately latiluting, for producing a consciousness in entities that recognize God. That's number one constant. And it is there and will always be there. This is the purpose of Evolving, which I call latolution, not evolution. Another constant, the war between God and impedition, the impeding force of interference. That is constantly going on. It's going to go on to the end of the universe. The compelling force. These compelling forces are a constant of happening that is imbued in the nature of the universe being expressed as free mortal agency purpose. Hang on, we're just about there. So existence does exist in the first domain of pure energy, a realm of pure energy by the Bible called love, for God is love, that exists in the boundaries of of the realms of the first domain, the heaven of heavens. And God has stretched out the heavens, I told you that. And here are the verses, the scriptures for the stretching out of the heavens. Isaiah 42, 5. Oh, pardon me, let me start over. Isaiah 42, 5 and Isaiah 45, 12. Isaiah 51, 13. I, Jeremiah 10, 12. Psalms 104, 2. And Isaiah 44, 24. It's all the scriptures of the heavens being stretched out. So, the law and these few laws, and we're all done. One more note of paper. There's the law of the ineffable. I-N-E-F-F-A-B-L-E. Ineffable. Which means that it is non-expressible in human language. First Peter one eight where it says joy unspeakable. And where it says in 
2 Corinthians 12.4 Unspeakable words, not lawful to be uttered. That's the law of the ineffable. Job 5.9 Doeth great things, unsearchable, and marvelous without number. Yes, there are people that are unmindful of many of these things. But then the Bible says in Corinthians, but there are these unlawful things. There are these things that are not being expressed, that are ineffable, that are revealed to God's people. And so there we are. There we are, ladies and gentlemen, my teaching for today. Blessed be the name of the living God. I want you to stand by me during this time in your prayers. I will need your prayers. And God bless you that have helped with your, your, your finances. Remember, in addition to the larger funds that have been given to do things like print books and to do this television series or the television first, first documentary, Jerry Lee and his family, they have to have money too. They have to live. So your small offerings are big to us. The other money goes into the the Peace Bible College of Manifest Studies. It is a registered society, a charitable society, and there are laws. And we don't take that money for ourselves. That money goes to designated funds. God bless you. Sorry to have to mention that at the close, but not sorry. Because Paul said, I made a mistake. He said, there were times I should have asked you to help me, and I didn't. The exciting times are ahead. The ark is coming up the road. God bless you and keep you. God heal you and make you whole. Janet Lee at the organ.